Do you love early intervention, but feel like you need more mentorship and information to thrive in this setting? We're here to provide a safe, inclusive community where we learn from and uplift one another. It's our mission to prepare students and practitioners to be confident and competent working in early intervention. Hi, I'm Amira Johnson. I'm Danielle DiLorenzo. And I'm Sarah Putt. And together, we're the real OTs of early intervention. Hello. And welcome to 2022. My name is Danielle DiLorenzo. I am one third of the Real OTs of Early Intervention. And today I will be doing a solo episode about interdependence. I would highly encourage you to go to our Instagram over at the Real OTs of EI and take a look at our latest post and live that we did, I went on sharing some of my thoughts about interdependence and what we can do as early intervention professionals and how we can begin to shift a narrative away from independence towards interdependence. I know. I know our whole profession is constantly talking about independence, striving for independence, trying to be as independent as you possibly can be. But what if that's not what somebody wants? Or what if that's not how somebody or a family unit actually increases their quality of life? What if we actually start to focus on the interdependent nature of humans and how we are interdependent on so many people and things when we are navigating our life. And I guarantee you that this concept of interdependence, even though it is one that is not spoken about within our profession often, is being experienced all the time. Because interdependence by definition, is the dependence of two or more people or things on each other. I can think of a plethora of things that are interdependent, humans being at the top of my list. I started to think about all the babies that I have worked with and that I will work with that will need some type of support that will remain interdependent on someone for the rest of their lives. How do we set up those families to feel as confident and competent as they can be right from the beginning? How can we provide students with this information that want to go into the career of early intervention early on? How do we help them be able to navigate these very emotional and big conversations? And how do we do it so in a way where it's meant to disrupt our profession in a positive way? and bringing to light why interdependence and the concept of it should be embedded into our educational framework when we are learning to become OTs. And it is even more prevalent for early intervention therapists to start really, really looking into this because it literally is the foundation for early intervention. What if instead of having the main objective be independence, we shifted it towards meaningful engagement in occupations with a foundation of interdependence within the parent, caregiver, and child dyad, that relationship? Early intervention 
is literally founded on the concept of interdependence. The document, the IFSP, is literally grounded within the interdependent roles of the parents and caregivers and others who are responsible for supporting the baby or the young child. And as together, how are they going to achieve these goals? When we talk about achieving goals, we typically want independence. We want 100% accuracy. I haven't heard anything that is such an inaccurate way to judge somebody's quality of life or progress. Our society is rooted in having independence be the equivalent of success, yet dependence is frowned upon and viewed as a sign of failure. How interesting that is, since I know and I can guarantee that each human has some type of interdependent relationship in their life. What a twisted narrative Western society has on the disabled and being interdependent as a decrease in quality of life when it is actually the opposite and creates such meaningful engagement and supportive environments for disabled individuals and their families. How much pressure for parents to feel when they hear the disability narrative from the medical model in the initial diagnosis stages. I know then when I was going through this, I felt like it was so wrong. I felt sick to my stomach. It made me perpetuate this mindset that caring for my child for the rest of my life or them being interdependent on me was going to be the biggest burden and how sorry they were. And I just kept thinking, what? Apologize for what? My, my child is not the problem and never will be. Caring for my amazing neurodivergent disabled child in an ableist world where he will have to fight for adequate supports and services because his environment and the society he lives in are not shaped in a way that he can succeed is where my emotional anger is focused. Not on my child's disability where the medical professional wants it to be placed. How dare they do this? How dare this be the mindset? It would be an absolute blessing to take care of my son. I absolutely adore him. He is the coolest kid on the planet. I smile every day. We are so interdependent on each other because what he gives to me, the, how we co-regulate, how we just thrive as a family unit, when we are so in tune with what his needs are and respect him and work together as a unit, in being able to provide supports that make him happy. I mean, that makes all of us happy. I don't really speak too much about my childhood. I went into it a little bit on the live, but as a neurodivergent child with minimal supports, I was always considered high functioning. In fact, I was always considered, you know, it, it more of a behavior. <laughs> rather than an actual need for support. And I remember my parents tried to do anything to support me and they did the best that they could. But when they see what I do now and they watch how I interact with my son, they, they just keep saying to me, I wish I had someone like you tell me all these things. I feel like you used to do these things and no one can tell me like why or things, but I think that is where early intervention practitioners can really utilize their place at the very beginning of each family's life 
and being able to provide them with expansive thinking. Because remember, all we can do is present information and we have to present it in a way that we will hope that the family will be willing to receive it. But not every family is going to want to receive this information or believe that this way of thinking is what they want. And it is important and so mindful to follow the family's lead at every step and be able to get creative as a therapist while providing what the family needs, while still enabling them to have access to an education when and if they choose to want to access this. We as occupational therapists need to evolve our thinking and expand on the foundations that Wilcock presents, the four dimensions of occupation, doing, being, becoming, and belonging. But now further exploring these concepts within all dyads and how this can influence occupational engagement. We ebb and flow through life, being interconnected and independent in many, if not all facets of life at one point in time or another. I know as OTs, we strive to support independence and we always will be, but we also must do what we need to do is support interdependence and begin to shift that mindset within our profession away from being as independent as possible to being whatever the individual wants and needs us to be in supporting their journey. We need to normalize interdependence along with independence right from the beginning and especially within the world of early intervention. This is how we can help set up families to be as successful as they can and meaningfully engage in all life occupations, child and family together with parents feeling less helpless and more empowered with tools to support their child, all with a framework centered around interdependence. When I was reading the article in the footsteps of Wilcock part two, the interdependent nature of doing, being, becoming, and belonging, a quote stuck out to me. Occupational alienation can occur for people with mental health problems when they lack meaningful occupations to engage in within safe and social environments. Occupational deprivation can prevent people from doing what is necessary and meaningful due to external restrictions or under-resourcing. These risk factors impinge on the relationship between doing and becoming and must be addressed at the individual and population level. While continuing to browse through research articles, I came across a paper from the University of Salford, Manchester called Independence, proposing an initial framework for occupational therapy shifting towards interdependence. The meaning and conceptualization of independence is critically important as occupational therapists are increasingly required to justify, practice, and funders increasingly value independence, typically defined by those funders in terms of reduction of need for assistance. So we have a system that will fund you when people become independent and will take away your access to service if they continue to need or require an interdependent component to be successful in their meaningful occupations. As OTs, it is imperative that we begin to recognize the interconnectedness and interdependence of people. Our profession has unfortunately adopted the myth of independence which is rooted in Western cultural ideals and a medical model of disability. And in doing so, we have undermined the worth and dignity of individuals with significant support needs, 
who perhaps have no prospect of rehabilitation or even desire to be rehabilitated. I challenge us to imagine a world in which quality of life is not determined by the service providers, but by the people being served. And for some, that means having their needs met by others or having their physical and social environment adapted to participate in everyday life. Building skills is not the core of our profession, but building capacity for occupation is. And that capacity building may take the form of providing appropriate supports which allow one to be, become, and belong as their authentic self. Within that same paper from the University of Salford, they expressed professionals tend to define independence in terms of self-care activities. So independence is measured against skills in relation to performance of these activities. Disabled people, however, define independence as an ability to be in control of and make decisions about one's life. Independence is then not linked to doing things alone or without help, but by obtaining assistance when and how one requires it. Within early intervention, it is often independence that the family or practitioners want to focus on, but we as occupational therapists can help shift that narrative and evolve the supports to be guided with an interdependence model as the framework and begin to show families that when we provide this interdependence foundation, we are striving for independence and better quality of life within that interconnectedness. And it is a concept that is going to be very challenging for you practitioners if you are having families that are very much so in this process of navigating where they are at and how they are feeling about their child's disability. So this is when we can be that support. We can help shift that mindset towards that interdependence framework. Parents of individuals with disabilities often internalize prevailing narratives about normative outcomes, especially regarding the idea of independence. For example, our society idealizes living on one's own, when really some individuals will lead a higher quality and more fulfilling life living with family or in a group home setting. Or we set goals for clients to be able to regulate their emotions independently, when perhaps what they need is co-regulation to feel safe and supported by people and environments surrounding them. It is essential as OT professionals that we adopt a more nuanced understanding of independence, which observes its flexible nature. We need to convey the realities of interdependence to clients so they can craft their own narrative, free from the misguided and unrealistic expectations which currently exist. The truth is interdependence is far more prevalent and normal than independence alone which is why we must reframe independence as something that is personally defined. What satisfies the feeling of independence can and should vary from person to person. For example, I love to cook. I see independence in cooking as picking my recipe, going to the store and buying the ingredients, and then coming home and adding my own creative touches during the cooking process as I cook alone. For others, the idea of independence may look like searching for a recipe online, making a grocery list with a friend, asking a parent when they're available to drive them to the store so they can pick up ingredients, and then having someone 
help them set up the ingredients in the order before they cook using a video. A true conceptualization of independence accepts interdependence as essential. It allows for a natural variation, and most importantly, it encourages the individual to define what it means to them. Let's be independent together is more than just an amusing line from a winter holiday classic. It is an essential truth. When I was watching Rudolph the other day with my son, I got really teary-eyed at the part where Hermie and Rudolph said, let's be independent together because they had been alienated and didn't feel like they can be themselves within their communities, but together they were able to be themselves because they had one another to depend on. And when I think about that in the world of early intervention, we are constantly striving for independence with self-regulation when we know that as adults, we struggle to self-regulate. And in order to do that, we do lots of things such as even having a cup of coffee or having a sip of soda. It can either calm or get you focused and it is a way to help you regulate. You are dependent on that to do so. We can go into lists on and on, but when we as early intervention practitioners are making goals and we are really talking about helping and supporting self-regulation, we really should be thinking towards making co-regulation goals, really encompassing that interdependent dynamic and showing the families how to support that regulative component because the regulation will begin at the, at the parent and then that will help support regulation of the child, but together you're co-regulating. So you're just supporting yourselves and it's an amazing experience. So How can we strive for independence within a program that is founded on family plan, right? So just with that being this foundation and concept of, okay, we can look at independence, but what we want to encourage our families is to create their own interdependent family plan, to create the model that works for themselves, to vary those level of supports and make it work for them by helping them stay in the moment and focusing on their family routines and really what's meaningful to them and what level of support is going to be needed and provided from each caretaker or person that has responsibilities related within the family to support support this diet and together, how can we support the family in making this interdependence as the foundation for supports, which will then increase that interconnectedness and increase the quality of life way more than just focusing on independence. So again, this was just meant to provide a shift and a narrative that can help support interdependence within the early intervention model. A huge thank you to Jacqueline and Greg 
Those are the voices that you heard earlier. They are the co-founders of OTs for Neurodiversity, which is a social media movement and advocacy platform dedicated to advancing a neurodiversity paradigm within the profession of occupational therapy. You can find them at neurodiversity underscore OT on Instagram and OTs for Neurodiversity on Facebook. I've provided their email links with in our show notes. They are also the co-founders of B3 Coffee, a nonprofit that provides community integrated social and vocational opportunities for people of all abilities. Using the way coffee brings people together, they aim to influence change towards a more inclusive and equitable world. Please go check them out. Buy their coffee. It's amazing. www.b3coffee.org and you can find them on Insta and Facebook at B3 Coffee. Thank you both so much for being amazing advocates within our profession. I am so excited to watch you all grow over your career. When I think about all the things that you have accomplished as students and now moving into the occupational therapy world as OTs, I am just so, so excited to see what else you are going to bring for us. So thank you so much for providing your input on this podcast. It was absolutely needed and necessary. Thank you so much for following along. We are the real OTs. You can find us at the real OTs of EI on Instagram, and you can find us on our website, www.therealotsofei.com. We want to know what are your thoughts on interdependence? Do you have any follow-up questions? We would love to know. Make sure to email or DM us. We're so excited you joined us today. Check out our website, therealots.com, for more information about anything discussed in the episode. And sign up for our email list so you don't miss out on any of our awesome EI resources. And join our amazing community of students and practitioners to get your questions answered and learn from others working in early intervention. Whether you're in the car, on your lunch break, or signing in to your next virtual session, thanks for keeping it real with the real OTs of early intervention. 